Let's test it out. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Welcome to episode 44, 44. of, this is why I have to write it down every time. <laughs> Eat, drink, write. Wait. Yes. yes. An urban fantasy whiteboard. Yeah, that. Okay, let's see how that works. Your face isn't in shadow. Why is my face in shadow? Well, it's probably because you can't see through your glasses. <laughs> Fair point. Okay. All right, shall we try this again? Let's do this again. Welcome to episode 44 of Eat, Drink, Write, and Urban Fantasy Whiteboard. See, I have it written down. Today, we are going to talk about writing dystopian novels, which we write urban fantasy, but dystopian novels can be urban fantasy. Yeah, I think they could fall under that umbrella. Um, sometimes they don't, but sometimes they do. Sometimes they're sci-fi entirely based right. on a technological thing. Right. Um, but anyway, so that's what we're going to be talking about. How was your week? It was pretty good. Um, I'm still exhausted all the time. I'm tired of grad school, and it's one of those weeks where I'm like, you know, I could just quit and not not do it. So, uh, but otherwise, like, not bad. I got to come home for Halloween, which yes. is why I'm here in person, um, which was really, really nice because I haven't seen you guys since July. Yeah. Um, and so it was really nice to get to hang out and watch football and drink and oh I drink a lot I'm, I'm a little hungover so <laughs> we, we played drinking games watching horror movies it was great I'm uh, sure our neighbors really appreciated us because every time like during football we did drinking games during football too and when a every time a touchdown happened we'd scream at the top of our lungs touchdown yep. drink <laughs> yep oh I'm sure they thought we were having a party and there were like four of us I know <laughs> Is that all that happened this week? Did you accomplish any writing goals? I have a new writing idea. So I came up with a new book idea, which is honestly, I don't need it right now. Like I've got so many things that I need to do. Mm -hmm. um, but no, otherwise, like I'm letting Lily and Delaney sit so that I can go back through it one more time before I send it off to you to read and um, mm -hmm. my girlfriend to read and all that for some feedback and stuff. Um, and then I should really get like other beta readers, but someday. Oh, you've got you've got a good bunch of beta readers now, I, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you got me who's got writing, uh, understanding of writing, right. which is a great beta re reader to have, like your mind for that. Yeah. And then you've got your girlfriend who can read for the content and the story and, mm -hmm. you know, so that's, that's a pretty good combination there. Yeah. So, yeah, but that was about it. Yeah. My week, um, the main thing was Halloween, which was so exciting. So I planned a big Halloween party for the whole four of us or <laughs> we actually had you and your girlfriend and Jordan and her husband and then the youngest uh, Riley had her friend Taylor come over and I had a whole spread of food I made monster mash which was chili and bat wings which was chicken wings and guacamole which was guacamole uh -huh. um, we had deviled eggs um, all, all kinds of fun stuff so that was fun that was the highlight of my week um, I did start spending time organizing because I was so overwhelmed last month. Right. I'm like, I got to get a handle on this. So I've actually bought a program, a, a calendar program, and I'm starting to use it to try to organize the tasks that need to get done. Yep. So that, that was helpful. Not, not real exciting, but helpful. I have no writing goals. I wanted to do some Halloween paragraph writing. Yeah. And it just never happened. Never had the chance. Yeah. yeah. So what are you eating and drinking? Well, we don't have food. Yeah, no food. Um, but I am drinking tea because she asked me if I wanted to drink alcohol, and I think I had enough yesterday to uh, to cover me for a little bit. So 
Um, I'm drinking my usual English breakfast tea. Okay. Um, it is really nice. Nice. I am drinking keto hot chocolate, which is the first hot chocolate that I've had since going on keto. And it seems so sweet, even though it's sugar that's not real sugar. Mm -hmm. um, it just is like super sweet. I think I could inject this stuff into my <laughs> veins and be quite happy. Wow. Um, so that's what we're drinking. I, I could drink, but hot chocolate sounded really good. Yeah. I have some jokes that are really, really bad. Oh, I, I couldn't really find any good dystopian jokes. There were some, but they were a little bit more risque than I wanted to say out loud. So interesting. Um, I tried to find jokes on death because I thought, you know, dystopian death. And plus today we're recording on the day of the dead. Oh, yeah. So, nice. All right. Yeah. All right. So coronavirus has been copying the black death. It's plagiarism. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Okay, and then here's a heaven, going to heaven type joke. So hundreds of years after their deaths, Galileo, Leonardo da Vinci, and Marco Polo are walking in heaven decide to have a conversation with Jesus. Okay. Galileo says, Jesus, I've been thinking about my past life on earth and wanted to know what I am remembered for after all these years. Jesus pauses and replies, Galileo, you were remembered as the father of modern physics. By being one of the first to apply mathematics to motion, you led the way to the creation of modern science. Galileo smiled with joy and walked away. Leonardo, intrigued by Galileo's question, says, well, Jesus, please tell me what I am remembered for all these years later. Jesus pauses and replies, Leonardo, you are remembered as one of the best painters, sculptors, architects, scientists, and anatomists of, in all of history. Your paintings of the Mona Lisa the, and the Last Supper are still considered to be one of the most miraculous works of art of all time. Leo smiled with joy, Leonardo smiled with joy and walked away. Marco, now eager to hear, ask the same question, says, Jesus, please tell me what I am remembered for on earth all these years later. Jesus pauses for a significant amount of time and starts sweating profusely. After a few minutes of silence and a pool of sweat forming at his feet, Jesus replies, okay, so a bunch of kids get into a pool. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good one. I, I thought that was kind of funny. So dystopian novels. Yeah. So what exactly is a dystopian novel? And what made me think to write this is that your dad hadn't really heard that term as, a, as applied to writing or even movies he never just used that term even though we've watched and read plenty of dystopian right. stuff he never connected the two mm -hmm. and so then he turned on a, a show and he's like i found a dystopian show and i'm watching it i'm like no this is not <laughs> dystopian it was the other lamb i don't know if you've watched that no one. i haven't seen that one I'm like no it's not a dystopian no um anyway so i was like you know Let's do an episode on dystopian novels. Yeah. So dystopia comes from Latin, which I took Latin, four years of Latin in, in high school and also in college. Mm -hmm. uh, and the prefix dis means bad and the root topos means place. So it's literally bad place is what dystopian stands for. Yeah. It's according to the Oxford Dictionary online, Dystopia is an imagined state or society in which there is great suffering or injustice, 
typically one that is totalitarian. Oh my goodness. I'm not drinking. Even though this shirt says may contain wine, I am not drinking anything alcoholic. Struggling. Uh, or, and I have here in my face, uh, post-apocalyptic. So it's also considered an antonym of utopia, which was a term that was coined by Sir Thomas More in his book, which I think was called Utopia, from 1516. And that created the ideal blueprint of a perfect society. Right. Um, and so that's where the term utopia came from. And then dystopia is used as the opposite of that. Gotcha. Um, they're often characterized by dehumanization, tyrannical governments, environmental disaster, or other <laughs> characteristics associated with a cataclysmic decline in society. Yeah. In some, it's cataclysm has happened and it's, it's post that right. normally. Right. Um, and it's literary form. It's a form of speculative, speculative fiction. You just can't My talk today. Goodness, maybe I should be drinking. <laughs> um, that began as a response to that utopian literature. Um, and honestly, dystopian is so much more interesting than utopian. Yeah. You know? Oh, I agree. A dystopian society is often comes about through the abuse or misuse of power. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. which is something that you hear about all the time when looking into dystopian, like as I was doing research today, mm -hmm. um, I knew, you know, just going through each website, it was all about the misuse of power or, you know, where is the power playing in this society and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that I found while I was looking at all this was that, you know, it's, it's also about the control of people um, through corrupt propaganda, which I thought was super interesting. Interesting. Oh, gosh, sound familiar in today's world? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. The control of people through Yeah, which is a, it's a direct media. parallel to, you know, obviously our election here in the States is, gone, is, is coming up. Um, actually, I guess it would be our episode is airing on Tuesday. Oh, on election day. So on election yeah. day. Um, and so, yeah, it was just super interesting to, to see that corrupt propaganda was another um, characteristic of dystopian societies. And it's like, if you think about the Hunger Games, uh, they use the relationship between PETA and Katniss as a way to get them more money and supplies. And it's purely propaganda. Because, yeah. Look at these, this couple, look at them, mm -hmm. you know, and they uh, blast it on TV. You know, everybody in the country is mm -hmm. watching these Hunger Games and these kids and they like are using them as a way to gain money and power mm -hmm. and control. Right. And then another thing I saw was that dystopian society is often presented as a utopian society within yes. the story. So like it is dystopian and outside of the story, we as the reader know that it's dystopian, but within the story, the government is like, no, the world is perfect. Everything is as it should be. Again, the parallel, you know, make America great. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Again. Right. Right. So uh, just, wow. Super interesting. Those were two points that I found um, that I, I really wanted to touch on because I think they, they bring up really interesting that parallels. That is fascinating. Yeah. So why is it so popular? Well, part of it is, like what you just mm -hmm. said, it's going on in today's world. But we, we can almost see this future dystopia coming based right. on what's happening now, which is so frightening. It is. Um, but it, it is a, a way that you can use as a writer, you can educate and warn humanity about the dangers of current social and political things that are going on. So right. this might be the perfect climate to write a dystopian, you know, take what we see and are starting to fear and exaggerate it down the road. And, you know, what right. would that society look like? And it is frightening. So I can see dystopian books being 
popular in the next absolutely you know absolutely. foreseeable future um they can also be satirical critiques which is fun that's mm -hmm. a, a fun thing and as a writer writing satire is a, a lot of fun yeah um today's society like i said is kind of the perfect storm for writing dystopian novels at um, least in the u.s i know but i i think other countries have their own absolutely issues there's still um, racism and things in other mm -hmm. countries as well it's right. just very rampant the about it's out in the open here in america i think the whole world looks at america as a totally dysfunctional maybe just dystopian already a little bit a little bit yeah um the dystopian novels often use the stresses of society to speculate and exaggerate what might happen so that was what i was talking about you know look at what we fear today and exaggerate it um and down the road and see what could it be absolutely yeah and then you were talking about our world like our issues that we're having today in today's mm -hmm. world and i think that plays a huge role into why it's so popular too dystopian novels in general um because it's intriguing to think about how our society can turn into something like that because yeah. you know, you're like look at our problems that we have and exaggerate it down the road and that is just an intriguing thing to think about yeah um it allows the reader to think of situations that could be considered realistic uh but in a fictional setting yeah so it, it makes everyone think about like oh well you know it'd be interesting if that did happen like how did we get to this point kind of thing. yes i mean and looking at what we have now i can see how they might have gotten to that point in this particular right. you know right now we've got all the pandemic movies that are out there that mm -hmm. are just you know because the whole world has this pandemic and so people are afraid and i'm i have to admit some of the new pandemic movies that came out i watched them mm -hmm. you know just because this is what we're going through today and it's scary and intriguing to think about you know what would happen Right, no, exactly, because I, uh, back towards the beginning of quarantine, I immediately went, and I don't think it's necessarily dystopian, but I immediately went and watched that movie, Contingent. I did which too. Which has Kate Winslow in it yeah. and all that. So I, you know, that was one of the first things I did when, when quarantine hit. I was like, might as well go and watch Me this too. movie about a pandemic where it eradicated a lot of the population. Mm -hmm. um, and that is just intriguing to me. And, that, and, and that's why, it's because it was so realistic. It was happening now. Yeah. And I think that plays a lot into why dystopian uh, novels are so popular. I, I think so too. Um, let's see. Um, also, dystopian novels by nature are full of tension and conflict, right? Which we love as readers. That's, and we love drama. Yeah, drama. That's why we read the books, any kind of book, right? You know, murder mysteries or romances. There's always that conflict and drama that we love. And yeah. Dystopian is about as conflicted as you can get. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you get a ton of drama with that too so yeah so what are some characteristics of a dystopian uh, novel mm -hmm. number one like we've talked about government control and hunger games is pretty much the first one that came to mind for me yeah uh, but also 1984. oh yeah in yeah. fact i mean i hope we don't upset listeners but when trump got elected in 2016 i was all about oh my god it's 1984 <laughs> happening all over again to the point that my husband was like stop with the 1984 and i'm like but but but, but actually um, um yeah no i think uh i think that falls under you know there's a loss of rights uh and there's a total control of people by the government mm -hmm. um and there's a lack of choice and free will by the people which is a very dystopian idea to me it um, is and like you were talking about in 1984 
the media mm -hmm. was used to control the people as to what they learn. And the main character in 1984, his job was to rewrite history to match whatever the current government right. agenda was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy. You can also have environmental catastrophe. Yeah. Like Maze Runner. Uh -huh. I think it was set. It was also a disease, though, wasn't it? I don't remember. I think it. I don't. I, it was either a disease or environmental or maybe both. Mm -hmm. But I love that that movie, the books and the movies of that one. Yeah, I haven't read the books, um, but I have seen the movies. Uh, so, but yeah, that's a that's a good example of that mm -hmm. one. Um, and these are interesting to think about because of again issues that we have today with climate change. Think about all the hurricanes we've had this yeah. season, yeah. Um, and the wildfires in California and Australia and um, all of that. Like the, the climate is obviously impacting uh, humanity on a very large scale. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's interesting to take that and exaggerate it and make that into a more dystopian. You know, one of your dad's favorite movies is The Day After Tomorrow. Oh yeah. Which could be seen as the beginning of a dystopian society, depending on what happens, you know, right? how many people have died and how the world is gonna have to reshape itself after this natural disaster, this, this right. category, whatever. <laughs> Hurricanes over land and yeah, the, yeah. whatnot. So yeah, fascinating. Then there can be technological catastrophes or medical catastrophes. Like one of my favorite movies is I Am Legend. Oh, that's a great one. It is so good. It is a good one and terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily because I think that could happen. Uh, you know, just from my side of knowing science, science. and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. But also it could. Because if you, I mean, think about the zombie fungus that makes ants climb to the top. Like, imagine something like that affecting humans or rabies, even mm -hmm. just something as simple as rabies. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, a modified rabies uh, disease could potentially do something like that. Another thing that's fascinating about that one to me, given today's pandemic, is that it was started in the movie based on a cure. Oh, yeah. It was a cure that caused it. And yeah. So, because you know, it cured cancer, but then it turned them into vampires. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody is cured, but mm, now we live in this dystopian dystopian society where everybody is dead. And you know, I'm thinking about they're rushing through to try to get the what is it vaccine? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm like, well, you try it first. Right. Absolutely. I don't, don't want to turn into a vampire. <laughs> yeah. That, that is scientific. No. Right. But. but it is um, the basis of a dystopian uh, novel. Yeah, absolutely. And it's in reality right now. It's yeah, now. I actually was thinking about it because, like, you think about how things were at the beginning of quarantine. Is you know, I remember when it first started and we went into lockdown. It felt super post-apocalyptic. Um, mm -hmm. Just being out on the road because I was a, uh, I had to go into work still, so I couldn't just stay in lockdown. Um, and so I'd be out on the road and it empty. And then there would be signs like uh, the traffic signs that are like, you know, drive slow and drive like those signs. Um, there were ones where it was like, stop the spread, wash your hands, don't do that. And that's very, it was like, oh God, there's like a disease across the entire globe right yeah. now. And it's like very obvious in the way that I'm living my life. I'm seeing these signs it, of it. It is. It's, it's scary. Yeah. And, so it was almost like, like a zombie apocalypse almost because there was no one out. Yeah. And if you saw someone out and they didn't have a mask on, you're like, oh God, like, you know. Well, just, I, I guess, I, and I hadn't thought of it until you just said that, but, um, Walking Dead is... Uh -huh. I was a disease that caused it, right? Yeah, I think so. I think oh, it was a virus. Yeah, because the CDC episode. Right, yeah. Right. So, like a virus or something. Some kind of virus. It's been years since I watched the first season. So, but yeah. So, yeah, fascinating. And I love Walking Dead. That's mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite series. Yeah. Um, 
it can also be post all of that and you're in survival mode. Yeah. So like Mad Max. Yeah. Um, City of Ember was a good one. Yeah. I, I loved that book. Um, I think they might have made a movie, but I haven't seen it. I have read that one and I haven't seen the movie. You didn't have to read it in school? Mm-mm. No, not for any of my classes. It, it's a really good one where some kind of environmental catastrophe happens and humanity goes underground. Yeah. And so they've lived underground um, and they were supposed to stay there until, I don't know if it was a nuclear issue, that until the air was, oh, I was see. clear. Mm-hmm. And so you, you see in this book how that society is surviving underground or trying to survive. It's all about survival. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll, you have to read it. Yeah, I will have to read it. Also, I think there was a movie. I think you're right because I think I remember seeing commercials for it. So I'm Maybe. Sure I'd be curious to see the movie. Yeah. Although the book was so good. I'm always right. afraid to, I know, I to know. watch a movie after reading a really good book. Yeah. Um, Snowpiercer. Yeah, the one with the train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they just made a series with it, which I started right. watching the series. I, I found it fascinating. I don't think your dad liked it. It was a little too... There was no hope oh, there. It yeah. was a hopeless... Well, it was so interesting because at the end of the movie... Uh, there's a polar bear outside that they show, but the mm-hmm. whole point of the movie was that there was no life outside at all. Which goes along with City of Ember, where they believe that they're safe only where they are, uh-huh. but in reality, things have changed outside. Right. Um, but yeah, and Snowpiercer, that leads them to their freedom, Yeah. so to speak. That's the whole point of that dystopian issue. Right, yeah. right. Um, one of the ones that I thought of was A Quiet Place, where the monsters, the aliens, I guess, uh, came in. That is so good. Right. Oh, that's a perfect it's, example. It's a great one, and because they're just there to survive, and they figured out, oh, you can't make any sound. Mm-hmm. If you make sound, then you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the opening scene was perfect, which I know you talked about in a little bit, so maybe we can bring that back up mm-hmm. then. But um, just like I thought that was a great example, just because it's, they are fighting to survive and they have to do all these things in order to survive and the mom is pregnant. And so they have to devise a way that she can give birth without Making getting the noise. Right. Yeah, which is impossible with y'all unless you're knocked out cold <laughs> cucumber. I'm just saying. Right. Uh, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that one. That's, I love movies I and do books yeah, and absolutely. everything. Another characteristic of a dystopian novel would be the loss of individual individualism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Handmaid's Tale yeah. is the number one. Right, because they're all in the same mm-hmm. outfits. They all wear the same things, and all they're there for is reproduction. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- that's another something that is similar to what's going on right now with the taking away of women's rights and uh, the control of our own bodies and that kind of thing. Handmaid's Tale is not that far-fetched. Right. Which makes it just horrifying to watch. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, the, and then they address issues like, um, you know, LGBTQ stuff, like mm-hmm. the things that happen to the characters that are LGBTQ. Yeah. So when I was watching it, I was like, well, awesome. I love relating to this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and those are things happening today. And, and I could see some wacko faction trying to take over the government Mm -hmm. of the United States. Right. Right. It's very, very frightening to think, especially as, as much of turmoil as there is in a lot of countries right now, not just the United States. I know know that we're a mess right now, (laughs) but um, other countries also are, are divided on issues of women's rights. Where was that huge protest just recently? 
I mean, massive protest because they've done a total ban on abortion. Yeah. And the women took to the streets, and I can't remember where it was. Me neither. The pictures were amazing. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Logan's Run, that's before your time. It was a 1970s movie. I was going to say, I don't, I don't recognize the title. And I loved that movie. It's a futuristic society where they're controlled. They have these implants put in their hands. And... It goes from color to color as you grow, and when, when it turns black, it's time for you to die, but they don't think of it as death. They don't know it's death. They're, it's like they're this innocent culture because they're being controlled, not necessarily by a government, but by a computer that is like their government. Right. And so they all walk into these things, and they get obliterated, and everybody cheers. What was it? It was a little helicopter leaf, but it missed my gap, so it's fine. And so they walk to their deaths and everybody cheers and they all think it's wonderful yeah. because they have no idea they're being killed. And that story is the story of how they break out of that. It, it was an excellent I feel movie. like there's another story that's that, that's that way where they, oh, it was in the 100. I was watching the 100 recently, um, which is another dystopian. Uh, yeah, it is. I hadn't thought of that. Society. Yeah. Um, but there's one season where uh, they have this ability to download their consciousness into this chip and they can implant the chip in someone new oh yeah um but it kills that person but they don't realize that it's killing them they think that they're being ascended and so they're like oh, oh. i'm becoming a god and instead it's they're really getting killed so that this person can live on vaguely remember mm -hmm. that yeah it's been a while since i've watched um that yeah the giver which jordan had to read in school so it's a fairly recent read for me yeah um fahrenheit 451 which the burning of books, right? Um, right. You know, the burning of knowledge, honestly, the burning of individuality and creativity, and right. the right to be an individual. Yeah. Um, um, and then I had an example of uh, Gattaca, that movie Gattaca with Ethan Hawke. I know I saw it, but I don't remember. What was that one? Um, I, you know, I watched it in high school, but it stuck with me because there was this guy, and he. Um, was an he invalid. Was imperfect. Yeah, he was like an invalid, and you had to be valid in order to live and do your job or whatever. And the way that he got around that was he, you know, he played the system. He like got blood from someone else or mm -hmm. used a way to so that he wouldn't be killed or taken out or whatever. I don't remember. It's been so I long do since I've remember seen it. that. That was a good one. Yeah, and it was just super interesting because you know he was considered invalid because of you know whatever genetic defect he had yeah. or something. Yeah, um, and he was trying to escape and, and get out. But that only, you know, he was lucky enough to have been smart or rich mm -hmm. or whatever enough to be able to work around. Right. Think of all the people that, that didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was an interesting. Wow. Um, and that was, oh, I put this under loss of individualism because, you know, he's treated as not a human. He was just treated yeah, as he has to be an invalid perfect person. like everybody else. Right. In order to be allowed in society. Right. So. Wow. So how do you write one of these? So you start off with a strong scenario to set that scene as the, quote, bad place, the dystopia. Right. So like an action that'll stick in your reader's mind as a, oh, this, this place is not good. This sucks. This is a bad <laughs> thing. And that's, that's what I was thinking of when I was talking about A Quiet Place. The opening scene is their kid dies because yeah. they had a toy that they turned on the sound to and the sound attracted the monster and so the kid got killed. Mm -hmm. um, and immediately, like, that's your introduction to the movie. And so you're like, oh, no, this is a bad place. <laughs> Definitely. Right. Is so, there a movie called The Bad Place? There's a there's a show called The Good Place. 
Yeah, I know the show. I feel like there's something the vampire. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. But you know, if you have it in the title, that's probably it's probably not a bad so place, good. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you've got to present a sense of threat, menace, or discomfort. Mm -hmm. You describe these settings so that we can clearly, we the reader can clearly um, see what makes them so uncomfortable. Right. So like insert a lack of empathy from the government or the harsh reality of surviving after an environmental catastrophe. Mm -hmm. You know, do your characters have to resort to eating rotten food mm -hmm. in order to not starve? Well, Snowpiercer. Snow right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. um, do they risk their lives just to get water? Mm -hmm. And you have to do that every day, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, are there severe punishments for small offenses, which I know in the Hunger Games, you know, Gail got whipped that one time for doing whatever. So, you know, are the punishments uh, oh, very yeah. skewed in terms of, you know, the offense? Mm -hmm. um, so just think about things like that. That's that's a good point. Um, you've got to know how your world gets to this. You can't just start by going, oh, my world's going to be this and this. Mm -hmm. You've got to know how it got there. Right. Um, it's up to you whether you as the author reveal how, you know, how much you reveal as to how it got there or how you want to reveal that. Do you want to do it through flashbacks? Do you want to do it through memories? Do you want to do it through you know, ceremonies that they have nowadays. Um, uh, but you, you decide, but you've got to know in your head um, what that, how it got there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important that you know those details. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it should be applied in pretty much every aspect of your story. Because as a dystopian novel, like it's going to be um, affecting the way that a character does get water or mm -hmm. it's going to be affecting whatever. Um, can they go to this area of the world or was that place bombed by a nuclear bomb, mm -hmm. like, you know, that kind of stuff. So you need to know how it got there. So was there a nuclear attack? Yeah. And that's a reason that they can't go over here. So yeah. that kind of thing. That's true. Um, so yeah. whether you reveal that there was a nuclear attack, it still needs to be in the sort of, oh, we don't go over there because of mm -hmm. blah, like mm -hmm. it'll make you sick or something. Yeah. Yeah. It might be, it might have evolved to the point where they don't remember, mm -hmm. but they just know you don't go there. It's mm -hmm. dangerous. It's a bad, it's a bad place. It's a bad place. <laughs> The devil is in the details in writing a dystopian novel. Right. Um, you, you've got to think down to those details like you were talking about. What do they eat? How mm -hmm. do they eat? Yeah. How, how do they get their water? Mm -hmm. What do they wear? You can't just oh. go to Target and you know, right. yeah. buy your clothes. Right. Um, how might this altered social, natural, or political environment change ordinary things that we take for granted? Right. You know, how... how you know, we go and turn on the faucet to get a drink of water. Uh -huh. But if it's a day trip to go and hike and you've got to figure out how to carry it back and, right. you know, right. You know, and then water becomes, you know, you're not going to be able to step in the shower and just take a shower because you got sweaty in the garden. Today. Right. Right. You know, I tell you what, I'd cut off all my hair. All oh, my yeah. hair would be gone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. On that note, that is world building, which we did a whole episode. Oh, yes. Two. I think we've done two episodes on world building. So in a dystopian novel, there is a whole lot of world building that you got to do. Right. Um, so questions to ask. I always like to, to do this. Because, I think it's a good way to kind of start thinking about things. Yeah, yeah. I think it helps our listeners. It helps me when I'm writing, you know, hmm. So who has the power now? And why do they have the power? Mm -hmm. How did they get the power? Um, you know, like in The Handmaid's Tale, the people that have the power are the people that overthrew the government and took it over. Right. right. So that's how they had it. The why is because they were able to plan and plot and, and do it. Yeah. And they took immediate control. Right. 
um, who are the most vulnerable in this dystopian society and why? You know, in Handmaid's Tale, it's the poor girls that get raped every month or however often they have to subject be subjected to that. Right. Um, and why? And the why in that society and part of why they were able to take over was because um, fertility rates were going down yeah. on the decline, which they are in today's world as well because right. of environmental issues, all kinds of things. And the author exaggerated that so that it was to the point where people were afraid that we were going to become extinct because the fertility rates were going down. Right. And so they wanted these women that they knew were fertile to be able to have kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, what still works and what no longer exists? What do people remember and what have they forgotten? That's what we were talking about. They might not remember that it was a nuclear Attack at, or whatever, yeah. yeah. But they know that they get sick, yeah. when they go towards that area yeah. because of radiation, whether they know that or not, yeah, yeah. Um, think think about how names might change, cultural cultural practices might change, um, holidays, yeah. Those are going to change, right? And know? there there'll be new holidays, or there mm -hmm. will be holidays that just don't exist anymore. Um, I still remember that Star Trek, the original series i think i've talked about it before on the podcast that original series the one where kirk ends up on a planet and it took him the whole episode to figure out that it was they had a constitution and the language had changed so much that you know what they were saying was we the people yeah. of the united states of america but the, their accents had changed and so he it took him all the way through until the very end of the episode, and that's what saved him, as he finally realized, oh my God, they're putting the Constitution, and he was able to, uh, and they're like, oh, he's he's not bad. He knows he knows our stuff. Ah, uh, interesting. So interesting. yeah, yeah. I, you know, Star Trek had a whole bunch of it taught all kinds of things. I love that show. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I, another question that I was thinking about was, you know, how has how has society continued? How were they able to continue after whatever it was that happened? Uh, mm -hmm. Did it continue? Mm -hmm. And where does the trust lie? Um, so, and that and that's kind of what the, you know, one of your questions was, where is the power? Um, I think trust is a big one uh, because you can have your main character and it's who do they trust? Do they trust their friend and why? Mm -hmm. um, where do they uh, find trust? Like, can they? learn to trust someone else? Do they trust the government? Do they trust that kind of thing? Well, think about Walking Dead in the very first season. Um, his partner in the sheriff's department wanted his wife. Right. And so here he thought he could trust him. Uh -huh. And I, that guy, Shane? Shane, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at one scene they were running and he shot the guy uh -huh. you know there's uh -huh. a joke about doing that and he did and it. he did it yeah um, yeah shane was a character so interesting guy can you really trust your friends right in a society where it's survival based yeah exactly yeah, yeah. which it's funny because my next note was actually thinking oh. about how the walking dead did things oh um, i'm sorry no but it, but that was a different different type of example because i have here you know they had the little little uh clusters of cities um and oh, civilization yeah. But no one really trusted each other. And so sure enough, things would go haywire. Our characters would waltz into this city and be like, oh, this seems great. You've got food and you've got water and you've got mm -hmm. electricity. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it all comes crumbling down because there's no trust anywhere or and no over government, no central organized right. anything. Right. So those are just interesting things to think about. Are there cities and how do they run? Um, is there trust within those cities? And if you know, how do they deal with outsiders? Yeah, I think we'll do another episode. There's so much to talk about on dystopia, but we can talk about dystopian characters. Like, 
what being in the Walking Dead society did to Shane. Right. Because he was a police officer. Yeah, right. You know, a paragon of good. He's supposed to be helping the, the, the people and keeping the people safe. And wow, he, when, when things changed, he changed with them, which I think you might have to do to survive, but that's an interesting concept it to is, explore. Yeah, right. So I would like to do an episode on characters in dystopian societies and what their arcs might be and what their motivations might be and that kind of thing. Right. Um, so why do we want to read about such horrible things? Yeah. Um, in a word, hope. Yeah. You know, in The Quiet Place, yes, it starts off with their child being killed. Mm -hmm. And you're, that's horrible. But you watch this family struggle and you have hope that they're somehow going to overcome it. They're going to get through it. Right. In A Handmaid's Tale, you hope that somehow they're going to take the government back. Yeah. That somehow they're going to rescue the children that have been taken and, you know, ugh. Right. So there's hope. Like in di and the Divergent series. Oh, we didn't mention that one. The oh, Divergent series. Yeah. Um, the world is what it is, but we feel hope that it might be better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in The Hunger Games, we see their struggle. Um, in the beginning, we see their struggle just to survive. She's yeah. out hunting. She's eating food that's thrown away. Um but you see them struggle to go from just survival to overcoming the actual dystopia of their society and making it better. Right. Um, it gives us hope. And it's also a warning. It's a warning to us in our current times to be aware of what we have now right. and what we could be like this climate crisis is just terrible. Right. And we've got to do something to keep the, climate from you know i mean the, the world will survive it's just that humans on the world might not survive. right yeah exactly so you know it's not going to hurt the planet it'll recover it recovers very quickly when you mow the lawn it grows back you right. know but if we want humanity to be able to live on the earth we need to do something about it right so it warns us it's it helps spread that story to a whole bunch of people to get them thinking about it because it takes right. the people the people should not be the ones with the power and it takes the people to get things done and to make change that needs to be done. Right. Um, one of the reasons the Handmaid's Tale is so popular is that it is so realistic in what we're going towards today. Right. Right. Um, it's very scary. Um, that's about all I've got. Oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I liked that you brought up the uh, the notion of hope because I think that is. Um, pretty big in terms of why everybody likes to read in general uh, is because it wants you want to feel things and I think you're right I think with dystopian novels it's like you want you hope to see mm -hmm. them make the world better because it starts off in this, this bad place this mm -hmm. bad setting um, and you want to see it get back to a or get to a uh, a good setting so uh, it allows us then there's things like the road did you I never saw I never read the book but I watched the movie and it was awful I know but <laughs> I haven't seen it because y'all were like look don't watch it there. I mean so. he just it's survival yeah. and he died. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had hope all the way through. Right. I mean, and there's still hope in the end because the sun is there. But anyway. Right. right. Um, yeah. But I think it allows us to see, you know, that we can also overcome harsh realities. Mm -hmm. You know, we watch these characters struggle and fight to make a better world. And it's, you can do that too. Mm -hmm. um, either by going out to vote as our election mm -hmm. day is today um, or by, you know, just 
changing little things or giving to charities or just helping people yeah. in general. Like you too can make a difference mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. in the world. And I think that watching characters in dystopian novels do the same thing, mm-hmm. albeit on a different scale for their world. Um, well, and watching just, people like Shane, you know, shoot someone else so he can survive. You know, it puts us in that mindset. Oh my God, would I, would I, would do, I that? do that? Yeah. And I hope I wouldn't do that. And how can I make sure that I don't do that? Right. And then there's going to be people listening to this that would go, heck yeah, I'd do that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the apocalypse. I want to survive. Right. Right. Well, but, and then, and I guess you, you really don't know if you would or not. Yeah. Until you're you in a situation. You don't. Uh, so yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Good topic. It is a good topic. Um, I do have an interview question. Okay. Do any of your novels have dystopian qualities? Any of those characteristics? Because not necessarily a dystopian novel, but do they have any of the qualities at all? I don't think so. I mean, Frickin' Fairies is all a menagerie, so the world is the world. There is no, The world itself is not dystopian. There's no dystopian anything. Although, within the fey community, there are issues that could lead to dystopian in the future, right? They're on the absolutely of something. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that book that we were going to write together that we started mapping out together. Oh, the witch wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that could very well be from a dystopian. It could be dystopian in that. I think there was some horrific catastrophe that led them to separating the two magics. Right. You know, there was something bad that happened that made the wall that, you know, so I think that might be, that might have dystopian um, characteristics. Um, and then I've started one, I haven't written on it a long, uh, it's been a long, long time. It's called The Hybrid Wars, and it started with a dream. Oh. It was a dream I had, and it was a society where tech versus magic, which makes me think of Kate Daniels, Kate Daniels yeah. series. Yeah. Um, that's definitely dystopian. Although to some degree they, they've, they've recreated they've, their society. They have and they work. It I works. feel like it's post dystopian. Post dystopian. <laughs> which is so interesting to yeah. think about. But yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But in, anyway, in my book, um, it, tech versus magic and magic one. Ah, nice. And so it is, it's got that government control over the people and the people that are looked down on are the non magical people. Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to mate with um, non-magic, non-magic. and and my character, my main character, is a hybrid, wow. and so it's the hybrid wars, and so but yeah, it's it will have been set in this world, so it's urban fantasy to a degree, but right. it's post this magic catastrophe, right? You know, like just kind of like Kate Daniels, where tech is is controlling right now mm-hmm. we don't even know magic in our world right but it could be there and it could have been so stamped out since the celtic times when they believed in magic and practiced the magic right you know think about what if magic was there but now that no one does it there's no control over it right and so it takes over um so that but i don't think any of my other ones do yeah because my Kata book, where she starts here, she goes to a totally, that's more fantasy. Fantasy, mm-hmm. yeah, right. And then my twins is a, a epic fantasy, so mm-hmm. I don't think I've got, what about you? The only one that I could think of would be 
Aiden, which you haven't read the newer version of it, um, but essentially, uh, and I can now draw parallels to our current world now because magic essentially was a pandemic. And so it rushes through and it can change people. So it infects people and changes them according to, um, you know, what they were doing at the time or what their oh, personality cool. was, was like. And so they, but this is also more post dystopian. So like this magic's already come through and changed people and it's still doing that, but they've like come they, around and made a way to live with it and, you know, figure it out and like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there are like universities that are dedicated to studying it and like, you know, how much time does it take for magic to change a person or infect a person or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that's probably the one that's closest to having dystopian qualities, but it's more post dystopian mm -hmm. where they've like figured out new laws and rules and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so probably that one. I don't think any of my other ones do. I think all my other ones are just. Yeah. That's not normally what we, we generally do urban fantasy or, mm -hmm. or high fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do love good dystopian novels. Yeah. I, I, I read the Divergent series before I watched it. Um, I read Hunger Games, Hunger Games before yeah. I watched it. Right. Um, can't remember any of the others. Yeah. I love Divergent. I mean, I just, I love, I just love those books and I don't know why. I guess because it's closer to reality than a high fantasy is. I love high fantasy too. Right, right. But I can relate better somehow because, you know, in the fantasy world, everything's different. They right. have different vegetables, they have different food. And a dystopian society, generally, it's our world that is something is. Right. Well, think happened. about it too. Um, if you think about uh, divergent, you know, all these people get separated into categories and that's like for some reason very enticing to people because you're like oh i can relate to this category therefore mm -hmm. i am this mm -hmm. um and so like you said it's more uh quote unquote realistic um mm -hmm. in a fictional setting so it's, it's fun to be like oh well i would be mm -hmm. you know well, dauntless like, or i would be Hogwarts or whatever. right yeah exactly yeah. and i think that is appealing to people too it's like oh what what part of this story can i relate to mm -hmm. most kind of thing so i think that's another characteristic yeah because i think all of you all would be the smart people in divergent the blue probably courtney and i have gone off and done very stupid things before we walked on quicksand <laughs> even though there was a sign that said warning <laughs> and we were like no ignore the sign let's just walk out there i'm um, glad to see was... that some of my characteristics made it into your all's <laughs> lives ah yes i would be dead there's a reason <laughs> that i always test as gryffindor mm -hmm. <laughs> me too that's true i'm surprised you're not ravenclaw i think Riley is Ravenclaw. Yeah. Courtney was Ravenclaw. Daddy was a cross between Ravenclaw and Slytherin. Well, that's not surprising. No, it's not. And I was Gryffindor. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever tested anything but Gryffindor. Same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always been Gryffindor. And then, uh, but I mean, you know, the fact that I decided to walk on quicksand mm -hmm. uh, kind of proves that mm -hmm. correct. So I think so too. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. Um, come check out our website. It is eatdrinkrightpodcast.com. You can email us there. Uh, all our social media is there. Come follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Pinterest. I think that's all the social media we've got. Yeah. Um, let us know jokes. I need help, clearly. Um, maybe, maybe you're not getting jokes because they actually like your jokes. Oh, oh, well, that makes me feel good. I'm sure that's it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, what else? Uh, Thank you to Jen, our patron. Yep. 
Yep. We love her. Yep, you're fantastic. Thank you um, very much. Oh, I, I just posted a new um, newsletter newsletter for Jen, our one page. Our one page. <laughs> she gets our newsletter information. Uh, our, what else? I think that's about it. Yep. Awesome. Well, thanks, right. thanks for listening, guys. Thank you.